Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Porter Gals presents Terrifying Tales. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're... The Polter Gals. Spooky. <laughs> Christmas Ghost Story. Written by Nick DiMarantino. Published in 2022 by Northwest Corner Books. Chapter 7, Forgotten Staircase, Hot Words Gina loved her little sister dearly, but after an hour of Rachel's intense company, she was glad to be alone. She needed quiet. She needed to gather her thoughts. What could have caused all the mousetraps to go off? She picked them up, one by one, examining them by the light of the dangling bulb, mystified. None of the little bits of bacon had been touched. Could there be a defect in the spring? They were all reset now, and so she was going to be watching them very carefully. This house was worth it. The house had become her passion. She loved working on it, restoring Nana's house of her memory, making her home in a place that had been the very heart of the Rossi family. She'd taken care of her house first, and then, in the spring, the gardens. Each destined for unique arrangements, giddy waves of color, not to mention the vegetable garden in the back. Something about it tugged at her heart. Even in the middle of December, something compelled her to trust a shovel down into the soil. She had enough of the indoors. The afternoon did not proceed smoothly. A quick lurch became not so quick when she splattered milk all over the kitchen floor. Halfway down the staircase, she was attempting to empty the trash, and the garbage bag broke in her arms, spilling dreadful stuff all the way down the front of her. While washing it off in Nana's old-fashioned bathtub, the telephone rang. Clutching her towel around her, dribbling water down the hall, she managed to reach it in time. She wished she hadn't. It was her stepmother, Barbara Rossi. Hi, Gina, she said. She sounded cheerful and upbeat. One never knew with Barbara. Welcome back to Seattle. How's everything going? And so forth. Polite nothings. She followed Barbara's lead, making small talk, waiting until she worked her way around to the real nitty-gritty. I don't suppose Rachel is there by any chance. Uh, Rachel? So that was it? Why would she be here? No reason in particular, just a hunch. Gina had never been completely at ease with her father's second wife. She loved Barbara, of course, and Barbara loved her, of course, but something had always been missing. Neither Gina nor Barbara quite trusted each other. Why, has anything happened to Rachel? 
She was admittedly playing dumb, but she wanted to get Barbara talking, and it never hurt to hear the other side. No, no, said Barbara evasively. Nothing to worry about, I'm sure. One of her friends just called. I guess Rachel didn't show up for gymnastics. You know your sister. She just takes off with the car. Doesn't even tell anyone where she's going. Why would she do that, persisted Gina. Has dad been getting on her case? Barbara has no intention of talking about this particular issue with her stepdaughter. I understand you had a few words with your father yourself. You could say that, said Gina. I expect he told you the news? Yes, he told me. That was all. Barbara avoided uncomfortable topics. He doesn't always mean what he says, Gina. I don't care what he means. He is not going to tell me how to live my life. Your father worries about you. Is that so, said Gina? I doubt if he's worrying too much. If he was, he'd be making this phone call himself. Now, you know what he's like, said Barbara. His religion is such a big part of him. He's very concerned about you. He's just stubborn, that's all. He is a Rossi. I'm a Rossi too, and just as stubborn. And I intend to make Nana's house into my home and do what I have to do. I don't care what my father thinks, and you can just tell him. Tell him Gina says Merry Christmas. Click. The wrong way door. Fuming with hostility and hurt feelings, Gina finished drying her hair and got dressed. She then gathered up her cleansers and sponges, dust rags and mops, and stomped up the staircase to the second floor. She had been working upstairs that week and had reached the far bedroom at the end of the east hallway. It was one of her favorites. It was remote enough that it was out of the hearing of both doorbell and phone, and the closets were huge. All the rooms on the east hall had been closed off when Gina was a child. Of course, being forbidden... The East Rooms had been recklessly explored behind Nana's back by her daring great-great-grandchildren, but they had been a boring disappointment. They were packed, wall-to-wall, with stored furniture. Not much incentive to risk a scolding. The rooms of the West Hall, on the other hand, had enormous walk-in closets, bounceable beds, sliding rugs, and plenty of playing area. The East Hall had been ignored. Until now. Now, its three rooms were like new additions, which had so much place in her memory. Bonus rooms, despite all the familiar rooms of her past. She had washed the windows of the far eastern room, aired it out, swept it, dusted it, and she had arranged a spare bed, a desk, and a couple of mismatched chairs, an old bureau, a throw rug, and she was just about to start polishing an old mahogany end table when a lingering glance of admiration into the room's walk-in closet brought her attention to a small door. It was the closet's far end, too. Too short to be a broom closet, but too large to be a laundry chute. She vaguely remembered noticing it before, and she had always intended to find its purpose, and had always forgotten about it. Incredible, she mumbled, all the little nooks and crannies. The old house never ceased to amaze her. She crouched down in front of it, turning the knob, clicked the latch, and pulled. The door wouldn't budge. She pushed and the door swung inward. It was so odd, it made her laugh. She never knew which way doors would open in this house. She poked her head inside. A tiny window at the far end, gray with grime and cobwebs, provided just enough life to see. A steep, narrow staircase, scarcely wide enough for her shoulders, seemed to lead up into some kind of attic. More room! She had never seen so much stored space. What a weird little staircase! It was possibly it couldn't get any tighter. She switched on the closet light behind her, but the overhead bulb had no impact on the stairway. 
She glanced going downstairs with a flashlight. Why bother? The gray light filtered through the little window, illuminating the edges of the stairs. Her eyes would soon adjust to the darkness. She ducked through the door and raced up toward the fur wall. Her hand disturbed a thick veil of cobwebs, which clung to her fingers and became stuck in a long streamer across her face. In her hair, she angrily beat it away. She sniffed in the stale air and took another step. A brittle, snapping crunch underfoot. She drew back with a shudder. What had she just stepped on? Dried mouse bones? Bird bones? It was too dark to see. She didn't want to know anyway. She just wanted to see where the staircase led, and then do some serious cleaning. Step by step, she made her way up the tight passageway. Not an inch to spare. The door would have been completely unhinged and removed to store anything of size upstairs in the attic, or wherever this little staircase led. Up another stair, and another, brushing her shoulders on either side. But to where? She kept waiting to see around the corner, but the corner never came, and the stairs just seemed to stop at a wall with no door. The secret of the staircase was that it led to nowhere. How very strange, she said. Oh, well, maybe that's just how old houses are. Lots of little crazy stuff. She ran her fingertips over the window glass and immediately wished she hadn't. Accumulated grime silted off in a glob. The window seal was a dusty graveyard for the shriveled corpses of spiders and flies. Turning around at the top of the narrow staircase, she then started back down. Maybe meaningless staircases were something that pioneer Italians liked in their houses, she muttered. Um, maybe it was considered very stylish to have stairs in your closet that lead to nowhere. She was careful enough to place her feet securely on each stair. Step by step, she descended. Then she paused. She had heard another step behind her. Gina spun around, startled, banging her elbow onto the wall. She took a sudden step backward toward a stair that wasn't there. She landed, sitting down with a hard smack. The back of her hand clattered against the door, slamming it shut. The fall knocked the breath out of her and scared her. What had she just heard? Now she had only one goal, to get out of here. She twisted her arm up toward the knob. She could reach it, but couldn't turn it. She tried to shift positions to get up on her feet. An icy chill shuddered down her spine. Had she torn a muscle? Pinched a nerve? She tried not to panic. Just catch your breath, she coached herself. Count to ten and use your brains. She never even got the chance to try. She was still in the breath-catching phase when she heard it. Thong. A long, hollow thud on the wood. Thong. Another smack. Thong. Something with a rubbery impact followed by another sound. So soft at first, she wasn't sure she heard anything at all. Slowly, slowly louder, until there couldn't be no doubt what it was. Somewhere at the top of those stairs, a loose pipe or creaky floorboard sounded exactly like a child was crying. There it was again, and this time it could be nothing else. Where could the sound be coming from? A very unhappy little kid was somewhere right in their house with her. Gingerly, painfully, Gina righted herself and scrambled up onto her knees, straining her neck to see anything at the top of the staircase to explain what she was hearing. The temperature seemed to get abruptly colder. What could cause such an icy draft? Could a window be broken somewhere upstairs? Then she sensed another presence. She squinted into the dimness of movement at the top of the stairway. She had just been there. The stairs went to nowhere. 
Something seemed to shift position slightly in the corner of her eye. What was that? Gina felt her whole body go numb with fear. It didn't look solid. She blinked. It was a shadow, just a shadow. She blinked again. No, it wasn't. That was someone. Not a child, too big to be a child. Someone who began to make a sound. Such a sad sound. Who's up here, she managed in a hoarse whisper. No answer. Then she saw the eyes. Terrible and happy eyes. She could barely make out what looked like an old woman. Gina tried to scream, but no sound came out. The shape seemed to lunge at her. An icy chill passed through her. She heard someone sobbing, sobbing as though all reason for living had been lost, repeating a word over and over that Gina couldn't quite understand, a foreign word she'd never heard before. It sounded like, Ito, Ito, and it was the saddest sound she had ever heard in her life, possessed. And that was how Aaron found her when he got home from his classes. She didn't respond to his cheerful greeting. Then he heard her voice faintly calling for help. Gina? He ran bounding up the stairs, frantically calling her name, lunging from room to room, tracking her cries. Gina, it's me, he shouted. Where are you? And he finally located her, wedged into the bottom of the little narrow staircase in the far closet upstairs. When he convinced her to move enough to push open the door, she managed to get to her feet before collapsing out of the staircase and into his arms. Gina, are you hurt? I'm all right, she said, clutching his arm. I'm not hurt. I, I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared on my wits. What was it? He asked. I don't know what it was. I think I heard a child crying. A child? Where? Here, right here in this house. Some unhappy little kid. It sounded like it was coming from in there. And then, and then I saw her. Saw who? Said Aaron. Was someone else here with you? You're not making sense. She was so sad. She was crying her eyes out, and I don't understand. Where was this? Right in here, at the top of those stairs. But it's all okay now, because I, I know who it was. It's obvious. What's obvious, Gina? I think you'd be more hurt than you realize. It, it just makes sense. I mean, I should have expected it, Aaron. It was Nana. Your great-grandmother? I, I don't understand the crying yet, or, or the thudding sound, but the voice, it, it was Nana's voice. Gina, you know perfectly well that you're Nana. It was her, said Gina, with a weird confidence. She was so horribly unhappy, shouting something down the stairs. Cut so cold, like she went right through me. But the whole thing, well, it, it knocked the sense into me. Sense? echoed Aaron, laughing in amazement. I, I say that's, that's the item you're a little short of at the moment. Real sense, she qualified, as though she had said it. It was like she touched me, Aaron. She woke me up, and now I can start a beginning. Now I know what to do, where to start. For someone who's just had some sense knocked into her, you're not making a bit of it. She looked into his eyes, seemed to consider his words, and then weakly nodded. I think you're right, she said. It's too soon to make sense. Much too soon. He kissed her forehead. I think you must have hit your head and had some kind of scary dream. I definitely hit my head, said Gina, gingerly fingering the back of her skull. But it didn't seem like, well, I'm, I'm not sure about anything else except... Aaron, I've decided something. I'm going to cancel my doctor's appointment tomorrow. Doctor's appointment? What doctor's appointment? He was immediately alarmed. 
Gina, is something wrong? What is it? I don't know. I just thought, well, I decided I was afraid the baby would drive you away. And well, I don't want to lose you, Aaron. So I, I decided not to have it. Gina, Gina, I already told you. I'm not going to have it. It's just that she faltered and began again. I want to wait until after Christmas. That's all. Gina, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'll take care of it right after Christmas. Something has to be done. I'll do it. But tomorrow's too soon. I can't do it tomorrow. She took a deep breath. I'm exhausted. I shouldn't be trying to talk about it. Which sounded calm and reasonable and should have comforted him. Except that he happened to glance into her eyes and saw the look again. That disturbing, determined gaze look. That look she sometimes got when she talked about Nana's house. No need to discuss it now, said Aaron. Come on, put your arm around my neck. Let me help you downstairs. One thing at a time. Call the doctor and cancel your appointment. She obediently wrapped one arm around his neck and then hesitated mid-step. She almost told him what else she had decided. She opened her mouth and then shut it. Not yet. Tomorrow would be too soon. Yes, one thing at a time, she would tell him of what she was planning for tomorrow. Disaster in the making. She spent all night in his arms and didn't give him one hint of the change that had taken place inside of her. Not until the next morning, in their bathrobes, snuggled together on the same side of the tiny breakfast nook, did Gina mention what she was going to do. You've got to be kidding, said Aaron. Not kidding. He stared at her, waiting for the first hint of a smile, hoping for a slow punchline. None came. I've made up my mind, said Gina. Do not try to talk me out of it. I've never been so sure of anything in my life. This Christmas, the Rossies are going to have a big, old-fashioned family dinner. A dinner you and I are going to prepare, right here in Nana's house, where those big family dinners all started. Grandma and Grandpa will come, so will Aunt Joe, and I'll bet I will get Uncle Tony to come, with a little persuasion, if I ask him myself. I, I know Rachel and Wally. Yeah, 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 said Aaron. Get to the point. What about your father and Barbara? Her smile faltered. Sorry, he said, knowing how easily she was hurt on the topic. But you've got to face reality on this one. I think they'll come, she said, the words bravely. Yes, they'll come, she reaffirmed. They will. It's an act of pure, stubborn faith. You think your father will come to a house of his daughter he's all but banished? Not to mention, knowing that his brother Tony might be here too? My dad has incredible social skills, said Gina. There's no reason why he can't use those skills with the members of his own family. What about your grandparents, said Aaron. Does this mean you're going to tell them about the baby? As soon as the holidays are over, there won't be a baby. You don't think your father will spill the beans? That warranted consideration. You're right, she said. It will come out. I just don't want them to hear about it from dad. I'll tell them myself, and they'll still come. Gina, Gina, you can't be serious. Her plan was so full of loopholes that he didn't know where to start. You're talking about cooking a major holiday dinner for how many? Uh, well, I guess there would be, let's see, nine, ten, all by yourself? By myself, said Gina. Nonsense. I've got a strong, handsome Jewish slave who obeys my every whim and does all the dirty work. Do I know this poor wrench? Well, you don't mind, do you? Why should I mind? I'll have a ringside seat to watch your family members tear each other apart. 
She didn't seem to hear him. I know exactly what I'll cook. Polenta, just like Nana used to make, and meatballs, and hot sausages, and a big tub of moscatelli. And I'll have Grandma show me how to make the sauce so it'll be perfect. Your sauce will be perfect, said Aaron. Your pasta sauce won't matter, Gina. The dinner will be wasted. There'll be no one left alive to eat it. Very funny. Gina, be real. Your family will self-destruct in less than three minutes. Couldn't we just play Russian roulette instead? You want to have the mass slaughter of your blood relatives on your conscience? To his surprise, her face turned red, as though he'd slapped her. When she finally looked up at him, her eyes were bright with tears. I'm sorry, he said earnestly. I, I wasn't thinking. I know, I know. She never got over the shock and pain of her mother's death, and he kissed a tear from her cheek. You can be witty and cynical if you like, said Gina. In fact, I find it very sexy. She kissed him back, but you're so wrong about this. I'm going to buy the invitations right now. I can get them written in the mail before the last pickup. Invitation, said Aaron. In the mail? Panic edged his voice. This wacky scheme was lurching toward reality in a comfortably rapid pace. Please, Gina, now think about this. I mean, family squabbles sometimes just need time to heal. Give them a chance, and everyone will do the right thing, sooner or later. You can't rush it by inviting every member of your hot-tempered family. It's the right thing to do, Aaron. Gina rose to her feet with a determined smile. I know it is, believe me. Something in this house wants us here for Christmas. He took her by the shoulders. You really ready to face your father, he said quietly. After the way he's treated you? This time, her voice quivered, but her jaw tightened into resolution. My dad is hurting just as much as I am, Aaron. One of us has to make the first move. A big Christmas dinner is what this family needs. A dinner just like Nana used to cook. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or on YouTube at The Porter Gals or on Instagram at The underscore Porter Gals. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast or at RogueMediaNetwork.com. You've been listening to The Polter Gals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast.